0: Secondly, hope comes in response to the knowledge of God. And I, and I described how Jeremiah, in the midst of uh, a land that was you know, racked by the judgments that he, that he had prophesied himself, he, he turns and he looks at God and he says, I know you, your faithfulness, it, it, it never ends. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Therefore, it's right to have hope. In the middle of destruction and judgment, he looks at God and he says, I know who you are, and so it's right for me to hope. So it comes as a response to the knowledge of God. And and then thirdly, it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what Paul prayed for the the, the church at Rome. He just says, I pray you to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, that there would be a spiritual impartation of hope, that hope would ignite in the heart. And that you'd begin to see things differently and and have an expectation in in what God can do. i got to get a sip of this. I'm just walking around carrying it. Let me get a little bit. There we go. Okay, so today I want to talk about two key thoughts. I want to talk about what hope is made of, what it's actually made of. And I want to talk about what is the ultimate focus of hope. And, and we've talked in, in this series in, in the last few weeks how we're not just, we're not just being frivolous or, or being shallow by talking about hope. We're, we're, we're saying that hope is the most informed perspective. It's, it's not just the shallow thing, well, just hope, just hope, and, and you deny everything that's happening that's negative. No, no, I'm saying look at all the challenges and then look at God, compare them and make a, a good assessment about whether or not you should have hope. Because 100% of the time, when you look at difficulty, and then you look at God, and you compare the difficulty in light of our God, 100% of the time, you will have reason to hope. It is the most informed perspective. It's not the shallow, sort of frivolous, well, just be happy. It's not that. It's actually recognizing challenges, difficulties, trials, and looking right in at them, and then looking and changing your perspective, and looking right at God, and allowing God to inform the way you carry your heart. It's, it's, that, it's that holy expectation, the divine optimism that comes in light of the revelation of who He is and what He does. And, and I'm, I'm personally asking the Lord to make hope a, a boundary line for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Where, where I don't go over into, I mean, there might be moments of mourning. There might be challenges and difficulty. I, I might experience sadness in my emotions, but I don't allow those things to be the anchor on my soul. I want hope to anchor my soul. The thing about hope anchoring your soul is it causes your soul to go up instead of go down. It's the anchor filled with helium or something. It causes a lift is my point. Causes you not to be blown around by all the trials. And I'm asking that. that I'm asking the Lord to put hope in me as a boundary, as, as, a, as a plumb line, so that no matter the way my emotions feel and the difficulties, the challenges, and there might be sadnesses, there might be difficulties, that I will rebound to hope. I will, I will hit that boundary of hope and begin to bounce back. Does that make sense? And I, I pray that for a whole community that hope would be the boundary line. It would be the plumb line. We wouldn't go beyond hope. We wouldn't trespass into doubt, unbelief, cynicism, negation, listening to those internal arguments, negativity. All right, so the construction of hope, I just say it there in A, that we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is made of hope. We don't pit faith against hope. Faith is made of hope. Hope is, in my uh in my view, hope is the expectation that God will do God's stuff. God is good and God will do God's stuff. That's, that's hope. I'm on the edge of my seat expecting God to be God. And then faith is the specific application of that. I believe God will be God in my physical body. I believe he'll heal me because the scripture says it. And so I specifically apply faith to my hope that God is a good God and he'll do God things. He'll be faithful. So faith is made of hope, but I just have to ask the question. It begs the question, what's hope made of? If faith is made of hope, what is hope made of? What is the substance of hope? And so I said, you know what? Let's just think about Abraham. He's the father of faith, so he must have had hope. Pretty simple, right? Father of faith, he's the, he's the, the patriarch of our faith, he must have had a real uh, uh, happening hope on the inside, a real living hope on the inside. So let's look at this verse in Romans 4. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't uh, encourage you, if you're trying to do like exegetical study and get into the original languages to use the New Living Translation, but if you just want to like kick back and sort of read the Bible in an enjoyable way, New Living Praise God. It's a good one. Anybody gone over to New Living? Praise God. New Living. If you haven't tried it. It's a good one. So, look at Romans 4:18 from the New Living. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Hallelujah. That's the phrase. I've been on that phrase all week. That's the phrase I've been on all week. That's the one. There's no reason for hope. He kept hoping. And then believing. Believing. Because if you keep hoping, guess what? You're going to have something to apply your faith to. You, you You have that substance, that expectation. And he's believing now. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. This is this is just an awesome story. And, and our problem with the story is we learned the song when, in Sunday school when we were a little kid. You know, Father Abraham, many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I one of them. And, and so it's this, it ends up being this Sunday school song for little kids, right? But it's not. It's an awesome Sunday school song for little kids, which is awesome. That's wonderful. But that's not where the thing is supposed to end, gang. This is the patriarch of our faith. And he is an example to us of how hope and faith work. And what hope is even made of. We see it so powerfully in Abraham. Don't let it become cliche. So just remember the story. Abraham's 99... Sarah's 90. He gets the promise from God in his 70s. In his 70s, he's going to be the father of many nations. 20 plus years later, he's old. I don't know if you've looked around, but there's not a lot of 100-year-old guys having babies. Not a lot of 90-year-old ladies in in the delivery unit in the hospital. That doesn't happen. It does not happen. I, like to me, I, I want to walk through the story, but to me, the fact that the 99-year-old guy and the 90-year-old lady had the baby is like, what? Like that's amazing. Like the 90-year-old lady really had the baby. Talking about supernatural childbirth right there. She should have wrote a book. But so... 20 plus years. Do you have a promise from God that's 20 years old? You got something clear? The Lord's been speaking to you for years? Got promises in the word that you've been holding on to? The Holy Spirit's breathed on them and you know the Lord is speaking to you about such and such thing and he's been speaking it years and years and years. 20 plus years later? Wait, take it a step further. Is it 20 plus years later and there's zero reason to believe it naturally? I look at my own life. I think, you know, I I really believe the Lord's highlighted to me that he's going to release revival in our city and that literally hundreds of thousands of people are going to be born again. Like, I really believe this. I believe he said it to me multiple, multiple times. I believe I got scriptures that, that identify this is his will, that salvation would spring up from the ground. He would pour out his spirit on all flesh, that, that many would be born into the kingdom. I, I'm looking at my little life, and I'm going, oh, that's a 20-plus-year-old promise that he continues to emphasize to me. And, and I have a lot of positive things that I can point to that I see happening in the church that I see happening in our community and other communities in our county, I see happening in our nation, and I go, I think something's up. I see negativity, I, th- I see sin abounding in, in many ways, but I see a, a righteous reality, I see a, uh, the presence of God mounting, I see people getting their lives touched and changed, I see unity coming in the church, all sorts of positive things that I can look to and say, I think it's happening. I, it's it's going to happen. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping and expecting from these things he said to me, and, and I can see things that give me good reason to hope. Abraham, he's got the promise he's going to have an heir, and from that heir, God is going to make a nation as many as the stars of the sky. Okay, he's got that promise and, and, and beyond that promise, but that's, the, that's the, the kernel of it. That's the beginning So he's got the promise, he's waited 20 plus years, and he's got nothing naturally to point to. In fact, the natural circumstances are completely against the idea that he would have an heir. There's nothing naturally. I love the phrase, I just got to say it. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. That's the one right there. See, it's it's like we talked last week in Romans 8. He says, you don't hope for what you see because if you see it, there's no reason to hope for it. The prerequisite for hope is that you hadn't seen it yet. And what we see in Abraham is not just, not that he hadn't seen it yet, but there was nothing around telling him. There was no natural circumstances pointing to the fulfillment of his hopes all he had was a word from the lord and it's there when there was no reason to hope he hoped believing it's kind of like this you know this is where faith this is where faith is born this is the substance of hope it's like you come to the cliff The doubt and unbelief cliff. You're going to fall off in doubt and unbelief because there's no reason or you're going to jump off asking God to to make good on what he said. It's It's either a hope and expectation and a faith jump or a doubt fall. Because there's nothing that says if you get over that cliff, you're going to be able to fly except for God. And I just think about how often we get to that place in God. We have a scripture. We have a word that the Lord said multiple times. I'm I'm not into subjective, you know, hinging your whole life on one little subjective thing. But the Lord said it for many times over much, you know, many times over a long period of time. and, and, And there's good witness on it. Yeah, I think you can hang on. But my point is this. You get to that place where you go, I believe you said it, God, but there's nothing pointing to it. And then you get the choice. Will you keep expecting or will you throw it away? That, that's it. This is the nexus of it. This is the construction of hope. When there's no reason, there's no natural reason, will you choose it? See, it's working me right now because I go, man, I've got all sorts of reasons to see God doing something. I, mean, I think things are happening, but man, am I going to actually stay in this the long haul, am I going to stay on the edge of my seat? Hope stays on the edge of its seat. Expectation, that's hope. And there's Abraham, 99-year-old Abraham. I mean, I, you know, I'm in my 40s. Having an infant right now just wears, just the idea of having an infant, it just wears me out even thinking about it. I barely can keep up with our four-year-old. I mean just coming home. Come on, let's play, Daddy. I'm like, okay. Chase outside. Okay, babe. The other day she had me sprinting across the the cul-de-sac for fun. So we're gonna do it's like six o'clock, been here all day, just meeting after meeting. I'm like, oh tired. Okay, daddy, can we play outside? I'm like, okay. What do you want to play? Chase. Okay, what are we gonna do? You have to race me across the cul-de-sac over and over and over. Awesome. 99 year old. Going to have a baby. See, I mean, there's promises. You t- they take so long to come. You almost just play like, I don't even want anymore. You ever try to play that one with God?
1: I don't even want anymore,
0: God. Whatever. I mean, Abraham had every reason to play that game. I had something happen to me this past week. I think I mentioned it last weekend. I mentioned it sometime. But the Lord gave me a prophecy from a person that had no, no knowledge of m- my life, or I mean, just, just met him, and uh, gives me a prophecy and uses sentences from a prophecy I'd received 12 years ago. It's like with God, it's one second. It's almost like, You know, you're talking, take a breath, 12 years later, keep talking. Like, that's what God did. But for me, in that from that first word, I'm to the place of like, He forgot me. He's left me alone. I can't, I can't, it's not for me anymore. And just like melting down. And literally, literally, I'd been thinking, I'd just been thinking, it's probably for somebody else. The word that was given to me is probably for me to help somebody else into. And the Lord gives me a word and carries the conversation from 12 years ago and starts it again. No, I was talking to you, man. It's about you, I really. You know, this thing is like, we have to get to the place. You almost, like, it's almost like this. I'm not saying it's the only version of faith, but it's, it's like the faith of our patriarch. He had to get to the place where he had no reason to hope anymore, and he still chose it. And that's how he became the father of faith. And if you think about all the heroes, like the Hebrews 11 heroes, they all get to this place where there's no reason to hope anymore. And then they choose it. And that's that cliff I'm talking about. You you get to the place like, it, it makes no sense. Should I keep believing? Should I keep hoping? Should I keep expecting? There's no, it doesn't make any sense But I'm going to. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep expecting. And and therein is the construction of this thing. It's choosing to hope, choosing to expect, when you don't even have a reason to. No natural reason to. You choose to expect God to be God anyway. All the natural circumstances are pointing in the opposite direction. All the arrows are pointing down. And you're expecting It to go up. I know that is so hard. But he gives us Abraham's example. And and that is who is the, the head patriarch of our faith. And look how this works with him. I go, what is it that enabled Abraham to hope without any natural evidence? That hope was even a viable choice. There's no natural evidence that this is a viable choice. Don't you get those voices of reason? Do you ever ever get those those three or four, you know, guys that want to give you counsel and go, now, brother, you need to wake up. You're over here in La La Faith Land. Just wake up. This is where things are naturally. This is what you need to do. Just, Just think naturally. He had no viable reason to expect the supernatural. Nothing was pointing in the right direction. But look at verse 21. Oh, this is where I want to live. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Come on. Fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And beloved, therein, those are the ingredients You hope when you've got no natural reason to hope and you're confident that God will do what he said he'd do. It's it's about the integrity of God's word. Is his word faithful? Does he have integrity? (laughs) Or is he untrustworthy? And this is where it comes down to for us. It's really what it boils down to. Is he faithful to do what he said he would do? Is he or isn't he? It really becomes an issue of the character and the nature of God. And what happens when we throw hope away, when we throw expectation away, somehow we're making the call he's not faithful. He's not able. Somehow, the the ingredients line up that way because we get to the place where we say, I'm just not confident in him. It's hard, I know. No, it really, it requires no parachute. It's the jump off the cliff, no parachute, catch me God. That's where hope lives. That's where faith lives. It requires us to expect something we do not see even in the face of having no reason to expect it. Oh, beloved, I don't want to live a safe life. Do you want to live a safe life? I mean, always strapped in with seatbelts all over you and harnesses and just gonna hold on to everything. I I said, I want to fly sometimes. I want to soar. I'm not saying be reckless, but I don't know what you call that, but I want that. I want to I want to maybe it's not reckless but it's dangerous. I want a dangerous hope. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm living in expectation of the integrity of God's word that God will do what he said he would do even when it looks like everything is against it. I love that verse 21. He was fully convinced and I'm going I'm laying hands on my own heart. God make me fully convinced. The only way I can be fully convinced is by the activity of the Holy Spirit causing revelation to alight in my heart, faith to come. When I mix hope, the expectation that God is God, and He's going to do what God does, with the truth of His word, when I mix those together, ah, oh, to be fully convinced in faith that God will do what He said. And so you go, "Well, that's an awesome story. Abraham's awesome. He's the father of faith. That's really great. But what does that have to do with me? Like that's Abraham. And the Bible tells us, whatever things, Romans 15, 4, whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through patience and the comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. His story is supposed to comfort you and call you into patience and expectation in God. And then that verse there, Hebrews 10, 23. So in light of that, let's hold on fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. These are the ingredients that go into hope, that expectation that God is God, that God's gonna do what God said he would do, that he's faithful and that his word is full of integrity. The integrity of the word of God. Can you trust him? You know what I'm saying? Can you trust him? No, really. I know know if we gave the, the multiple choice test, you'd go, of course I can. But when it comes down to you, the book, the prayer to the God you can't see, to circumstances that are all stacked against you, what do we do then? Can you trust him? He who promised is faithful. All those who hope in God never be put to shame. You can trust him. And I want to live in that place of extravagant trust, dangerous hope. I want to live on the edge of my seat. Even when it's all stacked against me, I want to be that guy that's got that rise in my heart that feels on the inside, I can trust God. I'm expecting good things to happen. I am expecting. It may be 20 years that you've been believing in a promise. It may be 40 years there may be no reason naturally to believe in it. Are you casting it off? Remember, hope deferred is not hope delayed. Hope deferred is hope thrown away. Have you thrown it away? On what basis? On what basis did you throw the hope away? Well, there was nothing telling me that it was possible. Even when there's nothing telling you that it's possible except God. Hope in God. Come on now. Hope in God. Man, I, I'm telling you, I am preaching myself into hope. This last month, I am preaching myself into hope. I, I feel the, that, that negation, that, that, just the remnants just lifting off of my head. I go, no, I'm going to believe this thing. God is going to do God's stuff. We're going to win. Yes. We're, going to win. we're going to have revival in Atlanta. Yes. Thousands upon thousands are going to get saved. God is going to move in power. We're going to see the kingdom come in glory. We're going to, we're going to live a, a life triumphant in Jesus. Even if we lay our lives down for him, it's going to be beautiful. I am so full of the expectation of the glory of God. Man, that I want to live in this place, applying my heart to hope. Now, that brings me to this point. So what then is the focus of hope? Because we, we tend to have all sorts of weird things that we focus on and we hope in. Um, you know, any football fans out there? I'm like the only guy that likes football. All right, me, me and you, bro. The draft is coming up next week, NFL draft. It's not carnal. Football's not of the devil, people, all right? And I hope the Falcons pick somebody good. All right, I'm just saying. I hope they pick somebody good. But I can't have my hope in my sports team because they ain't been so good the last couple of years. And if I'm hoping in them, I'm going to be in a depressive funk. Now, I found myself in a depressive funk because I've put myself where I was hoping in natural things, like my sports team. Maybe you guys are politicians. Maybe it's you're hoping in the politician guy. Maybe you're hoping in your job. Maybe you're hoping in the raise. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what you're hoping in. But here's the point. When we hope in stuff, things, people, situations, all of those things are subject to let us down. We hope in our sports team. (laughs) All of that's subject to let us down. And somebody goes, well, I hoped, da-da-da-da-da, and it didn't work for me, and so I'm just like shipwrecked. And I'm like, did you hope in God? Because we have to have a singular focus on God. In the church, we hope in leaders. Guys, leaders are just people. Goofy as anybody. I'm as goofy as anybody. Last night, I had 14 young guys at my house celebrating my son's birthday. And I was playing a video game tournament. I'm as dumb and goofy as anybody. No, but I was the guy that was like hey so we need one more guy like could you play <laughs> like they're getting me in last I'm like sure came in second in the tournament, tournament. Come, on. come on because the guy I was with was awesome I was literally hiding while he was winning everything awesome. anyway just had to fit that in that was for you Peter Keller Mike Seibel. Uh, but you can't have hope in natural stuff because the natural stuff, guys, the natural stuff is subject to let us down. And, and I know that's a simple thought, but man, we live hoping in all sorts of stuff that caves in on us. And then we wonder, we, we, we're running around, you know, bewildered and, and, and lost and wondering what happened. And we hoped in something very natural. And that's what happens when you hope in natural things. But when we hope in God, he will see us through. Now, he doesn't 100% see us through the way that we want to be seen through sometimes. Not on our time. Have You ever noticed he doesn't operate according to your watch? Come on, man. He's he's not into that. He happens happens to live in tomorrow just like he lives in yesterday. He happens to live in infinity. He sees it all the same. The patience is all important because it, it crafts your heart into holiness and righteousness. The patience is critical. All right, so, so we know it's God we're hoping in and not natural things, but there's a singular focus in the scripture. In the New Testament, primarily, when you read the verses on hope, you can't escape that the New Testament focuses us in one singular direction as it relates to hope. Look at this verse, 1 Peter 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, And fix your hope completely. Everybody say completely. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The emphasis of hope in the New Testament is on the return of Jesus and the resurrection. That's the emphasis of hope. The return of Jesus and the resurrection. The emphasis of hope is not primarily in this age. I know that we want to attain the outcome of our hope and our faith in this age. But if you'll read Hebrews 11, nice and slow, the hall of fame of faith, you'll find this verse there. It says, all these died in faith, not having received the outcome of their faith. They stayed in hope, continuously expecting in faith, but they actually didn't experience the attainment of it. And those guys are in the hall of fame of faith. Now, there is the attaining in this age, and I want. I mean, I would have fainted unless I believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what David said, and I'm with him. So I'm going to live in expectation that I'm going to attain here and now, but my focus is ultimately on this. I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to be filled with glory. I'm going to see him face to face, and my wildest dreams are all going to come true when I look at him. Because when I see him, I'm going to be like him. In this life, it's but a vapor. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. I'm an alien. I'm passing through. The journey of the Christian in this age isn't to throw your anchors down and set up camp here. The journey of the the Christian in this age is to move through. You're on your way, you're a journeyman on your way to glory. The hope is this that I'm going to see him and be transformed. That's where my hope lies. That's where my hope lies. I'm expecting the fulfillment of the promises of God. Yes, I'm expecting to see them here and now. But ultimately, my hope is in this. I'm going to be filled with the glory and the beauty of Jesus. I'm going to be united with him forever. That's the the singular focus of hope. And that's the New Testament explanation. The reason why tomorrow... Pro, no matter how bad it could be, the reason why it poses no big problem is because in one second, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be changed. This corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. <laughs> it's going to put on incorruptible. I'll live forever. He got up. I mean, Easter's just a month ago. Jesus got up, which means. We get up. We're going to get up, gang. No, we're going to get up. So he goes, ready your mind, be sober, and fix your hope on this, the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. What's he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. The grace that's brought to you at the the revealing of Jesus is the resurrection. You're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. That's where the New Testament calls us to calibrate our focus on the fact of the resurrection of the dead. It is the hope of the redeemed. This is our ultimate hope that we're going to live with Jesus forever. Look at these verses. There, there's three ways that I pull them out just, just for us that it's described. It's called the living hope. It's called the blessed hope. It's called the hope set before us. They're all talking about the same thing. And if you'll just do the simple thing and read all the hope verses in the New Testament, you'll find the vast majority of them are talking about the resurrection. The Romans 8 is talking about the resurrection. The Romans 15 is talking about the resurrection. All our little hope verses that we pull out of context because they're hope and they give us expectation, if you read the context, you'll find they're almost all talking about the resurrection. The New Testament church, those guys lived... In the expectation of living forever. And here's our problem. Our problem is, is, is this. We've mostly defined success by what we attain in this age. We've mostly defined success by what we attain in this age. That is a major flaw in our thinking. Because ultimately, success is not defined by anything you can touch naturally in this age. Success is defined by love, and success is defined by eternity love forever and living forever. That's success. This is where we're supposed to live, calibrated in the fact that we know we're loved and we know we have a living hope. Look at these verses. 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. How? How do we have this hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He got up, we are gonna get up to an inheritance there it is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away our hope is in our inheritance our expectation is sure because he was raised from the dead this is where we have to live gang we don't need to get in the same funk as people who don't have vision of an eternal inheritance we really don't have to get into the funk that they get into. We don't have to get in, down into it. We don't have to look at the political climate. We don't have to look at the socioeconomic climate. We don't have to look at the, the international, you know, socio-political climate. We don't have to look at any of that and allow that to dictate to us, where's my hope? Yeah, I get it. I, I really do get it. The Middle East is a wreck. I totally get that. And I want to preach hope right into the midst of that. Because when men's hearts are failing, I want to have a hope that enables the believing to persevere. And that hope is this. I'm getting a new body and so are you. Jesus is coming back. The dead will be raised. We're all going to be changed. We're going to live forever. We get to reign with him on the earth. I get it. I get it. It's a train wreck right now. He's going to make all the wrong things right. He's going to make all the wrong things right. That's what my hope is secure. That's why my hope is secure. That's what my hope is fastened on. All right, look at this. Uh, Titus, look at the the blessed hope verse. Now, let's just get it in context. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly, worldly lust, we should live soberly, Righteously and godly in this present age, what? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The blessing hope, the living hope. Look at Hebrews 6, verse 18. Now this isn't part of a bigger conversation where God is he's, he's swearing by himself that he's faithful and he's, he's backing up his word but look at how this is, this is set right in there to the, the question of faith. Can we trust the integrity of God's word? It says that by two unchangeable, immutable things, unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have strong consolation. That's encouragement. We have strong encouragement. Those of us who have fled for refuge, what's he talking about? We're fleeing for refuge in Jesus. We're fleeing from the judgment by saying we need salvation. We're turning to Jesus. So those of us who have fled for refuge into Jesus, we have strong encouragement to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Guys, the hope that is set before us is Jesus Christ is coming back. This is supposed to stay at the forefront of the way we think, the way we calibrate our heart. We're not supposed to allow the the challenges and the trials of this age to affect us in a manner by which we we, we ascribe more uh, credibility to them than we ought. We shouldn't ascribe eternal credibility to that which is temporal. Do you you follow me? We shouldn't give... uh, Eternal influence upon our soul to that which is temporal. These things are all subject to change. It's all subject to change. That's why Abraham could rightly look into situation and say, there's nothing naturally that I I can look at here for a reason to hope. But God, he can change that. He can change it. So I'm going to expect God to, and I will believe. Beloved, this is where our boundary needs to be in our heart, that we live in the expectation of the resurrection and no matter what the natural circumstances are, we're not giving them more credence than the integrity of the word of God, the integrity of the promises of God. He wants us to have our souls so anchored In hope, it's our boundary. It's our plumb line so that we're not moved around, getting into depressive funks because the world is just spinning out of control. Guess what? Darkness is gonna get darker, but glory is gonna arise. Glory is gonna arise. Guys, we have the best story with the best king, with the best ending of anybody on the planet. We have the best story going. Let hope, let hope. Let it break forth on your heart, man. I want to live there. Amen? Amen? Amen, amen. All right, let's stand.